0: Hey guys, welcome to Anunnaki History Podcast number two. And today we have special guests, which is Matt Lacroix. Is that right, Matt? Am La Croix.
1: Cool I guess the French way would be La Croix. Yeah. La
0: Croix. Okay. And our lovely founder here, Billy Carson of Anunnaki History, our group page. And we've started this new podcast because people out there are asked, have asked us for it, basically. And we want to start to get down to some of the nitty gritty details uh, about Anunnaki and anarchy history, technology, everything, everything Anunnaki that we are discussing on the page. Now, Billy and Matt, you have both written books on phenomenal things that are in the matrix that stretch the imagination beyond its boundaries. Billy.
2: Yes, uh, well, thank you for the great introduction. Uh, Yes, I wrote a book called Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. Uh, Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, hey. Thank you, guys. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, It's been a bestseller now for six months straight, and uh, it's been as high as number six on the list. And uh, it's just really doing phenomenal. But what I've done is I've taken a lot of the information from the Emerald Tablets of Thoth And I realized that there was a lot of great esoteric information and wisdom in there that I thought a lot of people needed to hear. Also, it talks about advanced technology. It talks about quantum physics, quantum mechanics. It talks about uh, so many aspects of our current day that really date back thousands of years and how we're in this big cycle, this cyclical civilization. And we're just now starting to rediscover things that really, truly already existed. Uh, and I think it's just a mind opener, you know, it blows people's minds. It's, it's something that, uh, once you digest this information, it will just take you on a whole new paradigm shift and then it will have you thinking in ways that you weren't thinking before and hopefully raise your consciousness and hopefully raise your vibration. Love, unconditional love for other people and just realizing that it's a much bigger and more bright, colorful past that we had. And we're trying to get back to that. So I'm I'm just so thankful I was able to put that information out there, and uh, it really does synchronize with a lot of the ancient Sumerian tablets and a lot of the other ancient books that have been and, and scriptures that have been discovered all over the world.
0: Mm, it's phenomenal. I, I'm I'm working through it. It's hard to digest, I must say, and hard to understand. <laughs> so, um, you know, and breaking it down and just I think you have to understand it and interpret it in your own way as well. So it's a bit mm-hmm. of self research within while you're reading it as well. And mm-hmm. Matt's book as well. Your book. Tell us a little bit about your book. The so, stage of time. <clears throat>
1: So Billy and I had already worked together several times previous to the, the latest book I wrote called The Stage of Time. And we actually did these projects totally independently. I didn't even know he was writing that book at the time. And so w- what's interesting about that is that he focused on, like he said, the meta- the metaphysical nature of reality and some of these ancient, ancient wisdom that came down through Thoth's prophecies and Thoth's um, emerald tablet writings. And I also, at the same time, had woven in um, several different Emerald tablet readings within my book as well. And so we had a lot of this cross connection with um, a lot of the stuff, the focuses that we were um, looking at with ancient history, with the esoteric nature of reality, all these aspects that we're not being told as a society. We're not being told, you know, who we really are and about these ancient writings that predate what we think of as religious texts that tell this great, tale about this, these, this human epic or epics you could call them that predate, predate us that most people don't even think ever existed. Mm. And so I, I found that reading these ancient tablets in these, in these ancient writings from cuneiform tablets all the way up to Gnostic and going into Vedic texts and all of these different ancient texts around the world, they were all talking about this lost chapter of human history. That we had, we had, um, we have amnesia of because of all these disasters that have occurred, and the suppression information, and um, the e- even the destruction information as well. And so, I included, uh, like Billy said, he included all the Emerald Tablets. I included some of them when it when it connected to talking about things like the Octrahasis and a lot of these other ancient tablets that have a lot of um, cross information that really yeah. connects. And that's one of the reasons you know who say, hey. Why is, there so little, why is there such a small amount of information about the origins of some of these writings? Because they've been suppressed and hidden for so long. And the th- I, in my opinion, the things that we most should look into and, and, and uncover evidence about are the things that we've been told the least about. That's, that's how I see that. Yeah.
2: Yes. Absolutely. That's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. I yes. mean, um, you know, the, the Anunnaki history group uh, was started a couple of years ago and, um, you know, primarily, I had started looking into a lot of the uh, the anomalies. Uh, this is how it got, really got started. I was doing anomaly hunting with myself and Thomas and a few others. And um, I started realizing that a lot of these ancient relics or these things that look like ancient relics on other planets, mostly Mars and some on the moon, had a strong resemblance to the ancient megalithic structures on Earth. Plus that, wait a minute, I got to put two and two together here. Why is this like this? Why is the similarity here, not only from all, all around our planet, but with pyramid structures, with megalithic buildings, but also on other planets? This means there's one architect. One architectural design means that there was one bottleneck. This, whoever it was or whatever group that was, said duplicate this everywhere. Mm. and so when I began to read the animal tablets and within tablet number one it literally says you know folk tells his crew so to speak to go out and spread out and duplicate what we've done here in the land of Kim. Mm. so they went out and they began to duplicate all the pyramids and the structures and the advanced civilizations so I really do believe that that civilization was a interplanetary civilization not just global so when people ask me where is Atlantis you know I tell them we're sitting on on top of Atlantis right now. Every single one of us, no matter where you are, are on this planet, you are sitting and standing on top of Atlantis because Terrible. it was literally everywhere. Yeah, the Ring City was just one of the capitals that happened to be that get into a battle or a war or maybe a geological disaster. We don't exactly particularly know, but one of the three things happened, and the Ring City itself was just one of the capitals is gone, probably sunk or maybe some people think it might have taken off. However, regardless of the fact. They were global, you know, so today we're going to kind of touch base on talk a little bit about um, some of the systems that were put in place by these Anunnaki people long ago that are still having a direct effect on us today, uh, spiritually and even economically. Um, A great book that I had read some time ago was um, uh, The Gods of Eden by William Bramley. Now this book is just an amazing read because he goes into some information that can be verified, which I went and did the research on, how the Anunnaki installed an economic system in ancient times that put us in the current debt we are in today. They started the whole uh, inflation system and the debt and the IOU system all the way back in ancient times. So what happened was basically back then when the Anunnaki ins- installed this kind of a economic structure, a lot of Sumerian tablets have been discovered with these um, writings on these IOUs and these receipts. So let's say I had a farm and I had um, I was farming uh, and I was herding a, a growing lamb, for example. And then somebody else was doing an orchard, an apple orchard. Well, the guy with an apple orchard can bring me over, uh, you know, I don't know, ten sacks of apples, in and exchange. I would give one lamb
1: right? in exchange, barter and yeah. trade,
2: right? Now, what if too many people started coming through and I ran out of lambs? Now, what I can do is, he can give me the apples and I would give him a cuneiform IOU.
3: Ah.
2: walk away with this IOU for a lamb. So now I owe this guy a lamb, okay? Now, this can happen so many times to the point where there's a shortage of the lambs and all these IOUs are out. Now we are creating inflation. So now the cost of these lambs, when they do come back, when they do, when I grow more of them, when they're more born and they grow up to a certain age, now, instead of giving me two stacks of apples, you might have to give me five stacks of apples for one lamb. This Sounds like the
0: first banking place. system. Sounds like right. the first yeah. beginnings of how exactly. monetary notes, um, they were written.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this yeah. is
2: thousands and thousands of years ago. This IOU system, this debt system, already put into place and installed upon us that way, This this type of a capitalistic type of a system. Uh, And you see it propagate all the way to this current era. You know, another thing that was amazing is um, on my own, I researched the fact of uh, the Sumerian uh, metric system. You know, because when you look at some of the numbers in the Great Pyramid and so forth, you begin to see how they kind of correlate to uh, metric systems or or meters. Mm. And you're going, how is this possible? Because we just kind of, quote unquote, recently discovered that. Well, they discovered proto-Sumerian writing etched into um, bowls and plates and stone in America, in South America, okay, in Mesoamerica, in, in, Me- in Mexico area and so forth. So they already had a, a recording of the, uh, the metric system back then. And that's even on, I mean, I hate to use Wikipedia as a good example, but they did their okay. research. And it's actually true. These stones have been discovered and the metric system is also thousands and thousands of years old. So the point that I'm trying to make is, everything that we have now, everything we're going through economically, everything we're going now, even now, now, mathematically already existed, you know? <laughs> really so w-
0: we're still working on ancient <clears throat> systems is what you're yeah. saying. Everything right. is measurements, time, <laughs> is still on ancient systems. History, right. History repeating itself.
1: Yeah. So, I, think, I think what Billy is saying, um, and, and, and also in a larger way, when we look at the context is, this creation of like a capitalistic almost empire Mm. where you, these empires rise and fall over and over Mm. again. And the reason they do that, like Billy said, is they're in in many ways in economically and in other ways too, um, they're unsustainable and they Mm. always collapse because they don't design um, a system that's harmonious with nature and everything around them. It's this greed system based on, keeping people in a, in a perpetual system of, it's almost an enslavement of ideas and information in their time. Um, it's amazing when you, when you work a full week, it's some, some difficult job somewhere that you have to help, you have to pay all these bills off that you have. At the end of the day, you get home, you're completely exhausted. Your energy has been drained. It's been taken. Your energy has been sacrificed and given somewhere else. And so that, that way in the like, and I'm sure Billy is going to lead this into it. The idea of the matrix is this idea that we exist in a reality that is based around keeping us completely distracted and uh, drained of energy. So we essentially just become like these zombies walking around and working and getting home. and, And we don't really accomplish a lot. We don't, people don't really go out and hike up to some hillside somewhere on a Friday night and look over the universe around them and have a picnic. Most people, in, in, I should say are going home and they're watching something on TV and then they're just falling asleep and that's it. But really we, it. being these, these infinite beings here that are exploring our reality and understanding um, the nature of the universe around us, we should be constantly amazed by the fact that we exist in this, in this reality right now. The fact that we have these physical bodies, these avatars that allow our consciousness to Express ourselves and explore this world where there are physical consequences for everything. We, we do we That's the great trap. That's the great illusion That's why the Egyptians called it this illusion of Ka It was this illusion of the physical world and all of the constraints that come with that that trap us in a physical world So we forget that we're actually non-physical beings and that's what this 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 whole Entrapment here that a lot of people talk about and give certain names for are right, Billy.
2: Oh yeah, you you hit it right on the head, man. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of the ancient cultures would call it that we're living in a dream world or a sleepy world, a sleep time world, uh, alluding to the fact that this whole you know this physical reality is not true reality, and that we are truly multidimensional beings. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, it's it's really amazing the futuristic thinking that they were able to have, to think centuries ahead in advance to put a system in place that would rise and fall like this and, you know, rise up and collapse, but keep people enslaved mentally and also physically. And, and you put it right when you said, Matt, that, you know, they, they're stealing your energy because yeah. they are really operating like these archons. And, you know, so they set these systems like up.
0: harvesting.
2: They, they harvest. They siphon your energy. And yeah, your energy is because your energy can only go wherever you point it. So if you're diverting your energy into their system that they've got, because, you you, you know, you of course, in this matrix, we have to send it there because we got to eat. we got to take care of our kids. we got to mm-hmm. take care of our family, everything else. They put so much on our plate that all we can do is send all of our energy directly to them. And they're harvesting that energy from us. And once the energy goes out, we just literally can't get it back. You know, we don't, the only way to to um, to uh, take advantage of your energy is to redirect it, and that's the whole process of raising consciousness. You know. And that's is this anarchy
0: designed, Billy? Is this a design
2: program oh, yeah.
0: of the anarchy? Oh,
2: this, this is definitely a design system by the anarchy. This is a high-level, well-thought-out system to keep mankind in the position of begging and working and distraction. If you even look back to the Tower of Babel incident where mm. this tower was being built by the humans who were mm. all working in one accord, all together and, and you know, all like one goal
3: Right.
2: And here comes Yahweh, who's also really in Lil,
3: mm.
2: and he says, Oh my god, there, these people are working together in unison and harmony and peace. This is how you know that the Yahweh in the Bible is not the creator of the universe. He gets angry, which is a bad sign number one. Then he destroys the tower, he blows it up. Then he takes all the people and he says to them, my seed shall not abide a man forever. His years shall be 120. So now he's shortened our lifespans. We used to live for thousands of years prior to this incident. Now our lifespans have shortened. Chromosome number two has been fused together. Telomere put on the end. We can't live that long anymore. Then he splits us up and he changes all of our languages so we can't even communicate anymore. So now we become this, you it's know, these, uh, these foes, because what they do is a conquer and divide system. We can't communicate well. We're spread out. It's all about this one is better than this one, and that one is better than this one, and so forth and so on. This one has more favor with the quote-unquote God, and this one has more favor with the God. And um, it become this big system of uh, con- divide and conquer, and split up people, shorter lifespan, so we can't live long enough to wake up. Uh, and, you know, and I think that also another thing that they did was uh, they installed this worship gene that I've been researching. And this gene has now been found by biologists that we really, literally have a gene in our bodies that make us prone to wanna worship. You add all that together, you got to rest in the Naturally
0: <laughs> look up. I've been saying this. When some humans, they, they ask for help or they seek help or guidance, we all naturally look up. It, mm-hmm. it, it's like programmed within yeah. us to seek mm-hmm. from above.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been looking externally for assistance and help and waiting on saviors because these God's promises are going to come back. They always promise that they're coming back and returning. Meanwhile, all this help that we're looking for externally is not where the source of help is. The source of, uh, of help and assistance is internal. Mm. You have to take a journey to inner space, the internal side, the inside. We were sent here to save ourselves. We are our own saviors. Proof in point. When you go out and uh, into your community, if you see somebody that needs assistance and you help them, you become that person's savior. No deities needed. It's just something called empathy and understanding and, and, and taking uh you know taking action. Yeah. Uh, and we have the same capability within us to even search within ourselves to save ourselves and help ourselves. I think the more we look externally for salvation, the more we'll, you'll never find it. I think you have to look to the inside. You know, and that's one of the big esoteric messages that felt carried in the Emerald Tablets.
1: Yeah, that that's well said, Billy. I really agree. Um, it, when the more you look at the system and the perfection that's behind it here, and I I know a lot of people will shrug their heads and they'll say to me, what makes you think that a person couldn't design a system like that? I've thought about that a lot, but the more I actually break the entire thing down, like Billy said, this incident that the tower of Babel with the idea where there was once a common language that was shared among many, many people, and a common understanding that we we're all just a, a a group of mankind together where and all of a sudden at, at that moment this dividing moment in history we were purposely divided sent all over the place to um, languages were all divided and given to different people races were put against each other people were made to hate each other to, to mm-hmm. fight wars against brother brother and sister one uh, is and that's what they always say in the tablets yeah. they call they say what well, you know why are you fighting your brothers and sisters because that's yeah. what they this the higher level perspective of us would would see this as whereas we're too caught in the middle of it with all of this hate and all of these distractions that constantly pushes and pull us back and forth well what is this system here it's a prong it's a it's a multi-pronged system it's an umbrella over our reality that basically creates this narrow perspective of how we, can, how we can do everything. And the way they do that is to create certain laws and certain ways to perceive reality. So if you, if you were to say, well, how do you perceive this kind, kind of type of idea, this word, this reference, this object? You know, How do you perceive it? And where did you get that perception from? Mm. People might scrap, scratch their heads and said, "Well, I was told that." Okay, mm. so you were told to have that perspective on something, mm. but you didn't actually come up with that perspective yourself.
0: Yeah, yourself—that's that you this, had to be shown. Mm. Mm.
1: This is where the system comes from, where you can actually trace a lot of the laws and the and, and the monetary systems that are in place, and these organized banking systems, and the rise of the military-industrial complex, and going all the way back a lot further than that mm. to things like. The rising of, of empires like the Roman Empire and the destruction of what was known mm-hmm. as the old religion, which mm-hmm. Billy knows, knows very well. The idea where, well, spirituality and religion were actually one and the same back mm-hmm. a long, long ago, but they were, it was one of these control systems that was seized one of the last means for us to break out of the system because that's what it is. It's basically like the guide for us to understand the, the nature of our reality around us, but also understand the non-physical side of who we are. And once that became corrupted um, thousands and thousands of years ago, we became locked in this Darwinian model of thinking that we're just a, an evolved ape and we're mm-hmm. fighting here to, to rise up and conquer our world. Whereas if you really think about that on a higher level, mm-hmm. it's a very, very silly way to perceive things around us. Especially mm-hmm. if, if you look at how, it seems like everything has been this perfect control system and in, in destined to happen at a certain time. So, for instance, <laughs> when you look at the destruction that occurred, like Billy was talking about, to a lot of these ancient civilizations, P, uh, individuals, great kings like Hammurabi and like Atanya, they had stated in, their, in, in the ancient cuneiform tablets, in writings that they left behind, that all of the governing um, structures that they, that they were following were given to them from above, they said. And they, in fact, they went a step further to say that they were actually designated to rule. It wasn't just a random thing where kings rose up to rule over and they were just wicked because they were, you know, corrupt and bad people. It was actually certain bloodlines that were designated to rule over people. And they were, they were, they were called the archetypes of society, the architects. And they were the archetypes of designing how we would, we would, we would view everything here and what we would be doing on a daily basis. And those systems haven't changed, really, at all. If anything, the perpetuation of war and fear and keeping us in this corrupted state has only reached its climax now, in my opinion, mm. where we're in this reality right now where we have...
0: All being unraveled. Mm.
1: We have the availability to see the truth. It, it yeah. exists at your fingertips through technology and through um, this interconnected collective society we have. And yet, at the same time, because of how much we've been subconsciously tricked and lied to mm. and, and how much people want to be accepted and normal, they're willing to ignore anything that goes out the mainstream because they don't want to be looked at as crazy or all these different things that come down. And I, and I like, and like Billy was saying, um, and I want him to comment on this, the idea of how clever it was to lump any single possible conspiracy theory regardless, regardless of what it is, all in the same category so that you can essentially control the message and label anyone as being a heretic or just a conspiracy theory nutcase. That way you can just keep the truth nice and controlled. When you say,
2: Billy? Oh, yeah. They've done a phenomenal job you know, making these conspiracy theories <laughs> crazy, you know, psychologically impaired. What they've done is they've, they've utilized what they put into us, which is we're the prisoners and we're also the prison guards. So by injecting this negative <laughs> concept into the society, they've got it set up to where, okay, um, as soon as one person tries to stand up and talk out uh, and talk about the, the, the establishment they
0: got shut somebody down.
2: Somebody else will instantaneously, you know, you call it the um, the Agent Smith effect, like mm. how Agent Smith makes sure he jumps into a person's body. You can instantaneously see it. So if you're sitting here talking to somebody, you're talking about the Kardashians, and it's a great conversation. You guys can laugh mm-hmm. and joke back and forth. But if you stop in the middle of the conversation and say, by the way, 9-11 was done by the United States government, all of a sudden, you're going to see that person's face change. Their countenance is going to change. That Agent Smith jumps into their body. Now, that person who was a prisoner, a mental slave and a physical slave has just now Mm. turned into a prison guard and is there now to stop you from moving any further, stop you from talking about it any further, and to redirect your conversation instantaneously, thereby locking you back up. You know uh you know mm. you know in the, in the non physical form lock you yeah. back up mentally mm. to put you back in your place in this jail of mental enslavement and take you back to talking about things that really don't matter anymore and, yeah. uh, and, and of, let me you
1: know, bring up really quick Billy on the reason yeah. why um that we that I think people do that and the reason the reason how this prison guard system was created here we we as conscious individuals have this internal um viewpoint of what reality is and that is always running within us and people find comfort in knowing that they they understand what's going on and so the more that time has gone on with if we've been learning that you know a lot of this information has not always necessarily been true and that we've been using experts so-called experts to judge everything in reality and we just blindly go along with it but now people are starting to question that and we're starting to see some people come in and you know, take little pieces out of this control of, of, of views of history. So how does the guard system work? Well, people will have to maintain this version of reality within themselves. And that's based on an entire lifetime of them feeling like they didn't waste their time with everything from high school up through college, up through anything that they're learning through TV or the radio or whatever's coming through. It's this lifetime of accumulated, accumulated knowledge that, that represents their reality. Now, when you talk about things, that could shatter the entire paradigm of how they view reality. When you say something like what Billy says and how there are these really dark sides of our reality where there are individuals that are very corrupt and want to control things and create wars and create fear and a lot of these other things. When you learn that there, there is a lot of darkness and evil, it's very uncomfortable to to think, okay, I don't live in this happy little place where the you know, government is just looking over me and wants the best interest for me. And, Okay, so when they're dumping fluoride into my public water, that's just for my teeth. They're doing it. They're doing a really good job to help keep, keep my teeth nice and clean and keep free of cavities. That's, that's all that is. Oh, 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 oh. Don't even, don't even bring it up. And then if you, someone else comes in and says, well, look at all the food that you're being promoted. Why, why is everything about fast food and, and the, all these different aspects of ingesting things that lower our vi- vibration? You know, why is it that when you go out and you eat this Big Mac, why do you feel so gross inside and, and you feel drained and you have to just sit there and sort of digest because that food and that what what you're taking in has lowered your vibrational frequency isn't exactly. that interesting mm-hmm. and just like and then you look at medicine all these artificial compounds that keep us sick that don't that don't um
0: and it's feeding that chain system. isn't it it's feeding that higher chain of control systems that they've built yeah, exactly that, it's so you know this this it's this hierarchical uh template that they've built which has gone millenniums back H- what time scales are we talking here because we're talking is this before the temples of Uruk is this before any of the Akkadian temples this is the missing link in humanity what we cannot get is a specific clear timeline because they've They've changed. They keep changing.
1: Well, the legend of, uh, Billy, I want you to jump in after this. I just want to mention this. The legend of Atanya does give us that timeline. And it's, to me, it's one of the only places of, of any piece of evidence we have that actually gives us a piece of a timeline to work with. Because Atanya was a king of the city of Kish. And what he says in that is that Kish is essentially the first city that's created after the golden age of civilization is destroyed. So that age that was occurring before, essentially they were wiped out and we had to start over again. And that's oh, that where the pre-flood division occurred. Yeah. yeah. And so this, these disasters and a lot of these things that came through, Etania says he was chosen to be the architect of the new world, not the architect just of Kish, but of the entire world. As in right. Kish and these cities in Mesopotamia will represent the rising of a, the next age of humanity and then the next empire to rise up. And that then disseminated all, all around um, those different regions of the world, but basically we can trace to that moment where here, here Tanya says that he was given these divine instructions for how we would we would run our world and and just and just like Hammurabi says later on in Babylon, over and over again, all of these places of great power, Babylon and Nineveh and all these ancient cities, they became um, the location of where, like Billy said, civilization was essentially redesigned, and that's where we, everything has gone from is, is those moments. Yeah, that's
2: absolutely right. I mean, they laid everything out, even how to make our street grids, the toiletry and plumbing. I mean, everything was given to us, mm. and people have a hard time really, you know, accepting um, that there's not a lot that we've contributed to this civilization. It's because um, a lot of the inf- a lot- well, there's only one way to build, there's many ways to have a civilization, but there's only, you know, a- probably one way to build a toilet. I mean, there are too many ways you can make a toilet. So <laughs> I think in deep antiquity, there were, you know, there were toilets, there was plumbing. Mm. A lot of the information, a lot of that got destroyed, uh, you know, mm. when the Great Flood came. When they came to reestablish and bring us back, as they say in the ancient taps, bring us back to a higher level of civilization, a lot of the stuff needed to be given to us all over again from scratch. So how to, you know, how to set up a civilization, how to set up a city, how to, you know, how to set up uh, a banking system, all these things need to be given right back to us again. So in this, in this age of man, moving back towards the golden age, everything that we have is just simply a rediscovery. We're not starting from the beginning, beginning. This is just another epic, another cycle in the
1: rise and fall of civilizations, you know, Billy, so but but there's an interesting point that you. This leads me into something I want to bring up. Is but was it like this before? Was was this system in place before these disasters? You know, it's called the Golden Age for a reason mm-hmm. because information flowed freely and people were much more connected than one. Doesn't mean that there weren't no wars, but it was a completely different time period where you had a lot of um, very powerful individuals that knew great amounts of wisdom, and they weren't representing necessarily the corrupted roles of our society like they do now. Mm-hmm. And so there's, this is how I view it. When you look at, when you read these cuneiform tablets, the account of these, this rise and fall of human civilization, the, the flood was specifically mentioned many, many times as being created. Not just this event that was going to happen normally, but mm-hmm. something that was actually created to happen here. Because they, essentially what Enlil says, and for people, if you want to break this down, to, because we need to put some information behind this, Enlil is very important to understand that name, because En means Lord in, the, in masculine, mm. whereas, en, whereas N-I-N, Ninlil, N-I-N meant the feminine version of Lord. Mm. So here, these names that define these this pantheon of gods, mm. their names literally mean Lord of this, Lord of that, because they consider themselves Lord of our reality. They were like the ordainers of destinies, as they're called. They created whatever they wanted here in our physical reality. Now, but that's a very important understand. They created whatever they want in our physical reality, which means when you move from the last age after the destruction occurred and human civilizations were rebuilt again, one of the things they specifically said was because of who was ruling that time period, it was decided that human civilizations were going to take a step back and they were actually going to be taught in a way where we would perceive ourselves as just being Nothing, nothing significant, just this insignificant thing here that 's fighting in 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 our own distracted way, whereas we weren't given all of the knowledge needed for us to forge our own objective mindsets mm. to break out of the system here this- in my mind, the system here that we have in place that corrupted religion and corrupted all aspects that was that came about right after. The destructive events of what we call the younger Dryas, mm. and that was because those individuals, those those beings, if you want to call them, that were in charge of our reality of that, of that during that zodiac age, decided to keep humanity basically enslaved by their physical nature of reality r- rather than the non-physical. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. do you think they are carved all over the world at these places. Every place all over the world has a different depiction of these same beings. Mm-hmm. The, the yes, eight famous, first, famous. yeah, the, these, these beings, these first beings that they're all depicted in different parts of the globe. Because that came up today on Anunnaki group page and, yeah, yeah. and and a lot of people were saying that they're global, they're global. A lot of people don't understand that the Anunnaki were absolutely all over the globe building temples and plates and grids all at one time.
2: Yeah, well, I saw, it's you know, when I went to the Anunnaki group, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day after, somebody had a post pending and it was, and the young woman was trying to say that, um, hmm. They only existed in Iraq and and Africa, and that was it. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my God I want to respond to this so bad, yeah, but unfortunately, I had to go on a, on a on a show, but yeah, you're right uh it's a a golly, it's a global civilization, like I was saying in the beginning, mm-hmm. and the evidence of them has been left all over the world, no matter where you go on this planet. If you go to Karyong Nine in Australia, mm-hmm. there's a partially uncovered Egyptian temple there where the Egyptians would travel from Egypt all the way to Australia to learn from the Aboriginal elders, to get wisdom from them. And they would record that they arrived and what happened when they was there. And there's many lines going up for many different uh, epics that they had come. Mm. And there's one uh, area in this, uh, this stone where they etched, there's an actual UFO with little UFOs coming out of it. And uh, it's an amazing thing. Now, around the backside of that, where this one um, Egyptian came there with his brother, his brother got bit by a snake and died. He tried to save him, and he couldn't. He put him on the, he made an embalming table or a, a, a zombie or called hmm. a zombie, a mummification table in the back. <laughs> and he, he, it's still there. That's the okay. crazy thing. Now what's amazing? When I went to Egypt in 2014, the story of his re- story of his return with his dead brother mummified is in Egypt. So okay. it made a loop. The whole, you know, the whole story mm. made a loop and connected. It made it, made it very uh, verifiable. Made it very real. Another thing is around the back of that area. If you walk down a little bit and go around the back in the stone, just etched into the stone, a picture of Thoth, the Atlantean. What is that doing all the way in Australia?
0: In Australia, you know, people
2: were everywhere. You can find Thoth in Antiqua. You can find, I mean, you know, find them all over Mesoamerica. South America. I've been to the Yucatan Peninsula, Teotihuacan. Everywhere you go, these people have been there. You know, it's it's just amazing. They're a global, and not only that, interplanetary civilization. This is just one small planet. And I think for somebody to get a good understanding of what we're talking about, watch the movie, Jupiter Ascending. Yes.
0: You watch that movie,
2: you're going to discover it's almost Mm -hmm. like uh uh you know a true story where you can see the
1: levels of i have
0: questions yeah Yeah. jupiter
1: yeah 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 think about that name right
0: then enlil's
1: planet was jupiter Jupiter, Um, exactly that it's called enlil's uh jupiter descending right yeah Yeah. um but like like billy said i want to just give a little bit of um background for those who might not be that well versed in where all of this came from and and what makes it real right what is what is the evidence that the anunnaki are real besides just the fact that there are um stellas and these murals all around the world that depict these these eagle faced you know great Mm. beings that are you know have a pine cone (laughs) in one hand and they have wings on the other what is that what is that whole representation i think that was the way that they were representing themselves as gods here as enlightened beings with wings Mm. that were essentially Um, showing you which side of of this um, duality war that's here are playing, right? So the eagle-headed face, I don't think that had anything to do with the fact that they had a face that looked like an eagle. That was a symbolic representation of how they were beings that were representing themselves there as these, these conquering war empire beings who wanted to rule humanity through empire building and creating this, system of of worship here and control whereas on the other side and like billing is saying all throughout the americas you saw this other completely different side where the depictions aren't of these necessarily just these eagle warriors or whatever it was like we see in other parts of the world but they were like these serpent gods and these dragon gods Uh and here you have this whole the entire other side of these two symbols we find all throughout history of where here's this idea of the whole eagle versus the serpent or dragon and how those two symbols could represent this conflict of interest that emerged here. Okay. And that's what I want to yeah, talk about. The here.
0: conflict yeah. is yeah. this
1: idea, but where did the, where did all this stem from? Well, if you go in and you translate and you, you find translations, the most accurate translations possible mm. of things like the Atrahasis mm. and the Enuma Elish and the legend of Atanya, you yep. see the name Anunnaki and Anuna over and over again. Mm all around the world and it's but especially in mesopotamia okay Mm -hmm. those two names so this is how it works if you're a sumerian and you're you're someone who's worshiping these gods you called them the anunnaki that was what they called them and they called them that because the name means those who from heaven to earth came Mm -hmm. whereas they themselves in places like the adrahasis refer to themselves as the anuna they say we the great anuna all of us agreed together on a plan a plan yeah. What plan yeah, is that? The plan. It's the plan on on how mm-hmm. they wanted our reality to be run here. They're literally the, the architects of our entire reality. A blueprint. And that's where the conflict began because mm-hmm. there's this pantheon of beings that we call the Anunnaki or Anuna, mm-hmm. and they just represent, in my mind, just one side of of what we can't perceive that's outside the third dimension. I think that they're beings who mastered reality, and they and they mastered it because of using earth and and the energy here and basically hijacking it and then allowing humans resources. they say we were created to do the workload of the gods mm. the, their workload but what does that mean well it, it says specifically that the gigi these non-royal workers of the anunnaki were previously doing this workload here what is it what's the workload it means maintaining the the physical realm here of our world mm-hmm. they were obsessed with um cr- creating civilizations based on designing it around agriculture and so the way they perceived that was here we're going to create civilizations and we're going to design it based on these specific laws and rules and those and will become their gods that they'll worship and then over time because that's happened multiple times we've lost a uh, complete understanding of, of, of who these gods are because they became so mm-hmm. interwoven with this competition of mm-hmm. someone was going to become the savior of humanity. Another one was going to become, you know, the evil deceptive um, character in our story. And though that's where this mm-hmm. battle began is yeah. that, is that I think that these beings came here and they wanted um, humans to run this world for them. And then they essentially, like Billy said, structured this reality where we would be stuck in in, in an inter um in this system we would die in an incarnation Mm -hmm. system over and over and over again because they knew they were very clever that there are certain constructs that are put in place as a universal law where a being will ascend to a higher state of consciousness only if they're able to pass these certain types of tests Mm -hmm. and those tests were known in egypt through osiris with the whole idea of weighing a human heart with a feather. and The feather was the idea that it weighed nothing. And if you had this karmic, this Mm. negative karmic energy built up in your soul, that you would have to be constantly recycled until you could cleanse that accumulated karmic energy. So what does that matter? Well, what if you structure thousands of years of human history with war and turmoil and chaos, and you get people to have these incredibly um, disruptive and uh, very, very Um, deaths that just really impact them in such a phenomenally deep way that they have to carry this karma throughout a lifetime. For instance, you're in an army and you're forced to go kill someone. Well, regardless of you were forced, you were forced to kill them. You still made a choice based on free will, even though you didn't think that you had a choice, Mm. you still made a choice based on free will. And that decision of taking another life is going to follow you lifetime after lifetime until you can do enough to balance that energy and, and then tip the scales to equal it. That's mm-hmm. what this whole system is. So what do the, the Anunnaki, the Anuna do? They just, they, they are like, okay, so we know that humans can break out of this cycle if, if they want to, if that's, that is allowed and they won't have to be perpetually used as batteries here, but we'll just simply structure the reality with so much evil and chaos that we will trap them in that cycle for an eternity. And that's mm-hmm. where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. You made
2: a very good point, Matt, because I had talked about this the other day. The fact that if you look into the biblical text, for example, the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Deuteronomy, and a lot of people who may not know about this, but in the, in the Bible, whether you see the word God, it's really God's with an S plural. It's a mistranslation by accident on purpose. They give us a monotheistic mindset that there, there was only one, only one God. But in true reality, these were the Anunnaki relatives that were known as the God of the Bible, but they really were God's plural fighting each other. So in the book of Deuteronomy, what you have is you have God talking to the people and telling them to go halfway around the world or to another city that they, they don't even know exists. They don't, they don't even know the people. The people have never done anything wrong to them. But he tells them to go there, and he says these exact words in the Bible. Kill the women. Kill the children. Kill the babies. Uh, rape the women if you want to. If you rape a woman, if you decide you want to keep her as wife, you can keep her as a wife. Take, you know, break, break down the walls of the city, trick them into coming in. When you get inside, kill them all. Pile the bodies up in the front. This is supposed to be God talking, the all-knowing, all, all-loving God. Mm. Yeah, it's a lie. It's not the creator of the universe. It's one of these Anunnaki people. What they're doing is this book of Deuteronomy is a track record or a history of their relatives fighting against each other, using human beings as cattle to do all the, all the fighting and the warring and the killing if you look in today's modern age to tap on what you were saying, Matt, you go, to college, you go to high school, they tell you, oh, we want to bring you to college, but you really can't afford it. So then what do they do? They say, look, if you come join our army, we're going to give you a free education. We're going to send you to college for free. You go, oh, wow, you go to college for free. Then what do they do? They send you halfway around the world to blow up somebody with a $5 million weapon and oh, yeah. a $5 <laughs> tent. And you think in your mind, well, I'm not really a bad person. I only killed them because I'm trying to get, you know, my, uh, my school, my, my college degree. And in your mind, you've made the disconnect from the murder to the fact that you're going to be getting this degree. You've made the disconnect. The empathetic disconnect is gone. And, and this happens over and over again. I mean, We've got all these people that are fighting all these wars all around the world. Yeah. And the people with the $4,000 suits are sitting in, in, in nice, cold, air-conditioned offices. And they're making the decision to send out thousands and thousands of people to their deaths every single day. And we're so blind, we can't even understand that what we're doing is wrong and we continue to do it day in and
1: day out day in and yeah. day out let me let me bring up an example of that billy and this and i i think it's important for us to delve into understanding the, the darkness so that we can never allow it to happen again and to rise above it in world war ii in when in the eastern front if you look up in stalingrad okay and i, and I know there's a great movie that um was done on that and you can see that scene there's – and this is, this is recorded in history. This is the idea of how we've been conditioned and how things have been run here. In the famous Battle of Stalingrad on the, um, on the Soviet side, the soldiers there were told that they didn't have enough weapons to each have a weapon so that the person in front of them would have a weapon, and the person behind them would just have a, a magazine for a weapon, just a clip, okay? They didn't have a weapon, and they were told – and, and you had these um, Soviet soldiers that were on these loudspeakers, and they were going – when the person in front of you dies, pick up their rifle and move up ahead. Like it was just this, okay, so they're going to be dead in a couple minutes and then you can get the rifle rather than us having to waste the money to, to build these rifles. It was like humans were just being used as cattle mm. and at, at that moment. Some, so th- think about this and this is where it gets really chaotic. Those soldiers that are up there, that are running through and these exploding all around and their friends are being shot everywhere, all all surrounding that they've been known their whole life potentially, they go, what the hell are we doing here? And then you had moments where all these soldiers, sometimes over a hundred soldiers, would all decide that, that it was totally crazy what they were doing and they would try to retreat. And what would the Soviets do? And not saying that Soviets were just the only bad ones, there was evil on both sides, but what they do, they would shoot and gun down their own soldiers just to, to, sh- to make sure that message is in that human beings, if they ever disrespect that military mindset of fighting for, you know, mother, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that you'll be killed. And I think, I think that that's really scary to I think am. about what has happened in our past and how we've been treated. And so what does that matter? Well, that mentality Has carried over for thousands and thousands of years and generations until we, that's how we perceive ourselves as just being this individual that will, is willing to just throw his life away for no reason at all. Because they've been made to believe that that's okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. And you know, I mean, we really have been born into this enslavement, even from, oh, let's even go into a more modern text, the Bible. Mm -hmm you look at Adam and Eve, okay? It says it clearly in the Bible, that they were created to toil. They were created to toil the uh the land and tend the garden. Mm. That's work, that's work though, that's labor. You automatically saying, right there in the Bible that they were created to be slaves. Their job is to as soon as they were born, or as soon as they were created, they they had a job, and that job was to to do this. So, it this just continues to go all the way back, and they really put together a very sound system and because DNA has the capability of storing memories, this is scientifically proven now, in our DNA, all of that enslavement and all of those uh, in-depth teachings of mental enslavement and torture and everything else and fear is still inside of our bodies. Yes. And we're carrying that from generation to generation to generation, which is why it's important to learn about this so that we can begin to reprogram ourselves so our DNA can now pass on to the next generation, reprogrammed a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more until we get this out of our system and learn that who we are, who we truly are, and the power that we have in our own numbers can take back control of this planet. So
0: awesome. at the moment, at the moment, the Anunnaki are not only sounding like quite complete badass, but they're sounding a little bit evil as well, and a little bit twisted. Yeah. Is there no good more,
3: in them?
1: A little bit
0: of both sides. Some is are there, good, and
1: some are bad. It's is there nice love? Is there good? Is there, is there any yeah. love in Yeah, Billy, you want me, to, want me to mention? So, okay, so this is one of the things that is important to understand is that the Anunnaki are obsessed with balance. That's literally all they talk about with each age, each zodiacal age based on this procession of the equinoxes, which represents a 20000 years, 21,000-year cycle. That cycle, or 27,000-year cycle, I'm sorry, that cycle, every age is supposed to have a rotation of energy, meaning so one age is supposed to be a negative polarity, and it's allowed to have war and chaos literally enter its reality and just go, go crazy, whereas another age that comes is supposed to be balanced and be the opposite. And that's how they actually perceive themselves. And they say, it, it says in it that Enlil had tasked Enki with being the control of balance here that he was supposed to maintain balance in this reality because they did understand balance and they did understand that without balance, you essentially would collapse. Everything in the system would fall apart. But the problem is that because of who we really are, because of um, how important we are to this entire story. And I do think that we're far more important than, than just the story of what, how, how earth goes. I think that, this idea of controlling sentient being sentient means having conscious awareness mm. is perhaps not just happening here, but could be happening elsewhere too. And when, when these, when these cha- these things happen where we all of a sudden reach this milestone where we break out of this control system, when we look back at what we've been part of um, we, we enter usually it, it almost coincides with this new age that's, that's coming. And that's why I talk about the age of Aquarius a lot and how, the idea is they've, allowed, they've had so much evil here because of what the age of Aquarius is supposed to be. So they were allowed to do this because we're supposed to be entering another golden age. That's very, very positive. So on the flip side, they're allowed to just do whatever they want through chaos to, because that's how they perceive balance here. See, good and evil is not really as black and white as it might seem to a higher dimensional being because they look at this bigger picture. They look at this larger picture of things, and I'm, and I'm not saying that any of these beings were necessarily just good or bad, but there are definitely some like Enki and Thoth who are repeatedly um, chastised and, and, and get and and they're told very very um, bad things about the, the decisions they've made because it's considered to be. Forbidden in, in terms of mankind reaching these higher states of consciousness, and they and he says Enlil actually in one of the tablets specifically calls Enki the far-sighted one mm. because he keeps we have that
0: a lot. Who's good? Who's bad? Who's, yeah. the, who's the worst? Who's the best? Who's the,
1: And the idea was that Enki, um, yes, he actually could be even one that's been playing the deceiver at times because Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be the one in the underworld who was maintaining balance here. Mm. So he had to play both roles. But the role that he perceived long into the future was this idea of no matter what, human beings would reach this time called universal consciousness that the Mayans always saw. And it means that as we change on a galactic scale, and we move into different energies, that we would, no matter what, right, exactly. this thing would collapse because we would reach a higher vibrational mm. state, and that's what this whole idea of this far-sightedness is—in that we may actually be. This war that's been going on in the heavens is actually this war of the idea where some of them do want us to reach higher states, but other ones of other um, of them do not at all. And they want us to remain in this lower state. And that's what that battle has been back and forth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You hit it right on the head, man. You know, so, it's, really it's an amazing epic and it's really a great time to be alive because we're living in the time is. where we can see the transition starting to happen.
0: I was oh, just going to awesome. say to you, Billy, do you think they're still here? Because we get that a lot thank as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and and we have many comments and people say they're still here.
2: <clears throat> I believe that the Anunnaki are still here. Not all of them, obviously, the ones that miss uh, Marion the Sumerian tablets, but their bloodline, their offspring, I believe that they're still here. Um, you know, you look at the things like the Trilateral Commission uh, and the Bilderberg Group and these these secret societies that are here that are, and people that are operating these secret societies from the shadows and controlling every single aspect of commerce around the entire planet, agreeing and approving every war.
1: Hmm. Okay,
2: these wars don't just happen by accident; they're all approved by by hmm. people at high, high, high levels um,
1: for a purpose too, without a specific reason. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. Everything we eat, see, smell, touch, hear—it's all controlled at the highest level. And I truly believe that uh, those are probably some of these Anunnaki bloodlines that are still here. Uh, you know running everything behind the scenes just my opinion
1: and supposedly um, some of the second-generation gods like Mardu who's called Bell in Mesopotamia mm. um, it is actually written that he was considered fallen in terms of because of the decisions some of them made they mm. could never ascend and they were stuck here not mm. stuck here in physical form I think they're stuck some of them are stuck here in non-physical form because of their actions and because there is a system in place that goes far above them to this intel- intelligent design behind the universe. And what, what I would actually call the multiverse is that there are consequences even for their decisions and that they may actually, the decisions they made in our realm may be also affecting them on a much deeper level than we understand in their level, causing something like some of them to be trapped here and be forced to be in our, in our realm, in our reality. And therefore that's one of the reasons why they, they, some of them blame us because they feel that we're the reason why they ended up losing their divinity. I guess you could call it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and some of them were, you know, banished uh, from even going back to their home planet for interacting with humans and so forth and so on. Um, it's very possible. It's very possible they can even themselves be caught in some type of a mm. uh, incarnation loop, you know, mm. uh, in a way, okay. like uh, a hierarchy
1: incarnation yeah. loop, right? exactly
2: the biggest secret of the, of, the, of the masonry, the 33rd degree le- masons, the biggest secret of that level of masonry, mm. the number 33, mm. it's all about space travel. It's all about getting off the planet. That's the big mystery, because in order to escape Earth's gravity, you have to travel 33 times the speed of sound to, get, to, to, to obtain uh, an orbit in space or to actually leave Earth's gravity. And I think ultimately that was some of the fundamental basis behind a lot of the, the Masons and so forth and so on, trying to find a way in the future to to escape Earth's grab, in other words, to, to get back into space and make it back out there into the stars. And because the way that these beings think, I think they think in time, time scales of millennia, and we think about what we're gonna eat tomorrow. <laughs> we're thinking about are we going what we're gonna do for our paycheck on Friday. So that it's spent up by Monday, and they're thinking about what's going to happen 2,000 years down the road. That's how they plan everything. They plan way more advanced than our planning is, and um, you know, so it's possible that they've been planning and plotting a way to uh, to get back out there. And that's why there could be breakaway civilizations on other planets in our solar system, moons in our solar system. There could be secret space programs. It's very possible that some of these entities and beings could be behind it. Whether they're spiritually influencing people that are running them, or maybe they're incarnated into physical bodies again. Maybe they've developed avatar bodies to walk amongst men but not like a man, like Felt says. Various different ways. They could be the Dark Brothers, you know. So mm. there's so many things that could be going on behind the scenes. But the one thing that I think is real is true is the fact that we, seven point five billion of us, outnumber them. And all it takes yeah. is for us to all become a one frequency, one accord. One vibration, one understanding, and its game is over for them.
1: Can you you imagine a collective conscious revolution of seven and a half billion people? Could you imagine how powerful that would be? Just think about this, right? If you if you're in a group of individuals and you go for a hike, or you're in a lecture hall with a group of people that are of a very like-mindedness of you, what's that energy like in that room? You can Mm -hmm. feel it; it's palatable. That's because that, that's a collective consciousness that's created by you being close enough that your energy body is affecting those around you. Now, most cases, that's a negative thing because you end up being around someone who's got a lower vibrational frequency and it tends to pull you down to their level. That's why, if humanity was to be able to, to, be able to get, come together and, and be objective and reach these higher states of thinking, it would be this massive collective consciousness in the entire planet. And once something like and not everybody would do that. But once something like that took, took hold where these large multitudes of people group together to have this mindset of breaking out of this system and becoming a sovereign sentient being, all of a sudden the control systems would completely collapse. And I think we're at the beginnings of that right now where that, that boiling pot of consciousness, that lid, is, is coming off. At some point in the future it's boiling and it's, it can only be kept on there for so long because inevitably that boiling water is gonna knock that top off top off eventually.
2: Yeah, you hit it right on the oh, perfect, yeah.
1: You
0: yeah. put in your message um about the gate at Nineveh, yeah? In Iraq, and how it's been blown up. And I went and I looked at some of the pictures today of how it's been blown up that gate and the huge complex that is there and it's almost as though history is on a repeat again that humanity has got bread in them to destroy this history again from our eyes. And and I really don't think that it's random.
1: I don't don't think think it's it's just this religious group that is doing it because you know they hate whatever it represents i think it's the same system we we saw from the romans and all the way back long before them Where there when you have powerful individuals in place the easiest way to silence a message besides controlling the narrative is to destroy whatever evidence contradicts Mm. and that's exactly what we're seeing in the middle east right now where these terrorist groups that are being funded by all this dark money. Mm. They're essentially just being used as as the dogs that are being.
3: They're being told to what to do. Yeah.
1: yeah, they're and they're going around and they're just they're just bulldozing and using sledgehammers to destroy. What is to me, if you if you go outside of Egypt, um, and and there are other places too that are very very important around the world. But Mesopotamia to me holds some of the greatest secrets in the world. But more importantly, that's the location of where the oldest ancient cuneiform writings are found. And so this is a way to, what would happen if you had a civil war in a country like Syria? How do, how do you get in to study any ancient sites? You can't. You can't get in. You you fear for your life. And that's the easiest way to control the narrative in some of these really sensitive locations where a lot of things could be discovered out of nowhere. You know, someone's building a new highway so and they can cool. discover an ancient the ancient ruins of something and find some tablets that have these stories that completely contradict things. So I think they're doing two things. One, they're either destroying them, or two, yeah. they're hiding what they don't want us to see in places like the Vatican archives. So what we have today are like either oops, that got out and now it's out, so whatever, or it's just so high level and difficult to self- separate the symbolism that we'll just leave it there because it's going to cause a bunch of confusion. And I think that's where we're
2: at yeah. right now. Yeah, that that is so true. I mean, you just, um, the amount of stuff that the Vatican has acquired. I mean, even think something like in my research has led me to believe now that the Library of Alexandria in Alexandria, Egypt was not burned down. Uh, mm. Well, it was burned down, but not the books.
3: Yeah. I think it was a heist, Moved. and the yeah. fire
2: was a distraction. They burned a few books, but the majority of those books, I truly believe, have made their way out of the library and possibly right now are still being maintained underneath the uh, Vatican archives right mm-hmm. now, and that the fire that was bondage. a distraction, burn a few hundred books, burn the place down, we'll take the books, I think it was stolen, to help usher in this monotheistic and keep everybody on the mental enslavement mindset, uh, and, and I really do believe that the, the the books are still in existence to this very day.
1: Again, yeah, the secrets that are going to come out of there in the future are going to be mind-boggling. Um, Stone I think an that
0: antiquities. Yeah. What,
1: what we, even just the cuneiform tablets that we have, which there are thousands, by the way, and most of them are untranslated, but I think that some of the most important ones, people probably never got a chance to really see them. I think yeah. that when they found them, they were probably quickly ushered away, sort of like what a lot of people think the Smithsonian does with some of these um, large skeletons that have been found in some of these serpent mounds, in a parts of the United States and other parts of the world, too. Whereas, what kind of questions would that raise? You know, what kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of problems would, would arise? If <clears throat> giant skulls, I
0: mean, yeah. <laughs>
1: so it's all about controlling the narrative, and people shake their head when they think about that. How can you have a global conspiracy to control information like this? Because we've had those individuals in power for a very long time, and they're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Very good, yeah. Which is
2: they're very they're experts at it.
0: They're experts, yeah. It would disrupt humanity. It would upset the whole apple cart. Nothing, you know, their productions wouldn't get fulfilled and it would break down.
2: Just just in America alone, religion is a multi trillion dollar annual business. And so the religious system in America generates more money than all of the tech companies in Silicon Valley combined in one year. So So that's that's shameful.
0: To me when there's so many starving billions and, and and you know poverty on the planet
1: and you got these mega churches right with these these guys in suits that are making like a million dollars and they have like a mansion on the hill and they're supposed to be helping the people find a spiritual path yet they're living in the most materialistic lie that you could possibly live what what a what a reality we live in huh yeah
2: that's yeah, crazy
1: it's, it makes me scratch my head when
2: I, when people just can't see it. They're, they're so, um, I guess, encased in the system. And, you know, when you're born, you're done. given a name, religion, and, you know, and, 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 a, and a race. And you have to spend the rest of your life trying to defend that. Mm. And so they've been so uh, indoctrinated into it that it's so hard to show somebody what they're in. They can't see the matrix for themselves. And ironically, then I try point the religious people to the Bible I say, look, let me show you where the matrix comes from. It's in the Bible. It's in your book. Did you know that? Oh, no, it's not in there. So let me show you. It's in here five times. Mm-hmm. And what does it say about the matrix? It's a womb. In order to reach a higher level of consciousness, mm-hmm. you need to come, you need to be born through that womb. You have to wake up. This mm-hmm. is what it's telling you in your own book, but you didn't even, didn't even know it existed. That's where the movie name okay. came from.
3: I would like to, to, to ask Matt a question.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Billy and I get, uh, and get pretty confused we love to talk about this stuff. We,
3: we had the Iraqi wars, and we had the invasion of Iraq, and we had the, uh, the occupation of uh, Uruk, temple of Uruk, mm. and we had yep. the uh, occup- occupation when they took over the museum mm. in, in, in Iraq, mm. in Baghdad Museum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would like to hear both of you, what do you think the actual purpose? for being at the museum and, uh, uh, uh Taken well, in. is why the did they
0: destroy floor. those places? What
1: was the agenda for it? Um, well, Bill, you want to take that really quick and you can fill in. It's, sure. Um, you know, when you look, look back at the whole nine
2: 11 and how it to me was really one of the biggest evil things that have happened in our modern time. On the scale, through a computer, they were able to measure the collective consciousness of the mm-hmm. planet. And during that time frame, it went off the off hilter. The <clears throat> um, and that was set up, in my opinion, by the elites to, to justify the reason to go to Iraq. And ironically, the first place they went to were two places. One was the museum. Uh, to, you know, I mean, you're going to be going to get revenge, so to speak, for these acts of war and you go to a museum, I mean, come on. it doesn't make any sense. They yeah. blow the open the deeper doors and they take all of these artifacts. Saddam Hussein was getting ready to release information to the world about the fact that the Sumerians and these people from Iraq were the very first people to have advanced technology, airports, runways, and, and mm-hmm. all this other incredible stuff. And right at the same time, or right within that time, they went there, blew open the doors and stole everything took everything, left the stuff that was insignificant there, but the majority of stuff has been gone so. and taken away by the military. I mean, admit, admit it by the U.S. military. My my sister's husband was there, okay? He's, wow. uh, he's still in the military right now, They now they live in Germany because he got, uh, you know, sent out, out there. But he has sent me the pictures of him there. The next place they went was to the Ziggurat of Ur. Yep. In the Ziggurat of Ur, what they took out of there, to so a lot of people now have witnesses, that it looked like the Stargate from the movie Stargate. Wow. Now, was it a Stargate? We don't know. But it had a very a good appearance or likeness to the one from the movie. They put it on the back of one of those gigantic trucks with the tarp, uh, and it went away and it was never seen again. So Ooh, what the was the WMD knowledge and a
1: Stargate, <laughs> we yeah. don't know. And it, I think it goes a lot further than that. It, it, there's, there's, it was one of these things where there was a multi-pronged reason why they did it, I think billy what billy mentioned i think is true um getting a lot of these antiquities and a lot of other a a lot of other stuff too but at the same time there was all this dark money that was being used that the pentagon was asking all this money had disappeared and there was hearings that was were going on and those buildings that had gone down a lot of them were just finance banking buildings and they had all of this information and records for how all this money was just trillions had disappeared into these black budget things you know, creating these underground bunkers and all this crazy stuff that the elites were doing, des- designing all this hidden weaponry and all these things. And at the same time, you have these powerful arms of energy controlling and want to control um, the oil reserves in Iraq. And this, and also Saddam Hussein supposedly wanted to create a new gold-backed currency, just like Gaddafi did in Libya. And so you had these individuals who were now being perceived are the, are the evil ones, when they're actually the ones trying to create a new currency to break out of the the arm, the control of the central bank. That's where a lot of this, I think, can get down to is you think, well, so the lesson here is, I guess, any country that tries to break away from the central bank will uh, somehow mysteriously erupt in the civil war, right, Billy? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Listen,
2: every country that have have, uh, done that or didn't have a central bank, we went and we invaded them. Every single one. There's only three left. You know, uh, I think it's North Korea, Cuba, and uh, Iran. Iran is going to be next on the list. Uh, Mm. We're brewing up Mm. to
1: um, a fake war for Iran. That's going to be the next one. We tried to to start it at least twice. We had that Japanese oil tanker that was hit, and then people were like, wait a minute. Mm. I don't know about that. And they're like, okay, we'll try again. And then they did other thing what they did some kind of a drone thing and then people like wait a minute was that multi-million dollar drone really from iran they're like okay let's try again and then they keep doing this over and over again but i think the collectiveness of of society has actually reached a point where even if people won't acknowledge it we've largely decided to 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 begin rejecting war even if people aren't coming out and, and you know throwing guns down the street and getting rid of them which i don't necessarily support not having any way to defend yourself but the idea of us Moving from a path of just being indoctrinated and just going right into war and not even thinking about it twice is is definitely changing.
0: Is this yeah. an anarchy war then? Are we still in an anarchy
3: war? We see the titles and the headlines uh, saying uh, yeah, Russia fighting, uh,
0: fighting uh, anarchy too. Yeah. Like
1: this, these interests here. I think are fighting back and forth because they want these empires. One of them wants to, to rise up to become the dominant one here because the idea is whoever can become the dominant one to go through the transition will essentially be the one who controls the entire world. Planet. So this whole, this whole side idea of, of fighting back and forth is really just these powerful individuals that want things to go a certain way. But I do think that at the top there is a hidden hand that is going on, which is basically, okay, well, individuals at at the highest level and maybe beyond, even beyond how we can, what we can perceive are essentially fighting over how our reality will go, Mm -hmm. how our reality will turn out is, is what I think is going on right now too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. We have so much, man. So much. We could talk about this for 10 years. Yeah.
0: We're we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to keep covering it all. And we We've done about an hour now, what are you we about have, to say? I was
3: just about to say, we've done about an hour now of uh, yeah. free speech talk.
0: Yeah, and this is going to go knowledge. up there, our yeah. podcast. So you guys out there that are listening, you will find this posted everywhere with links. Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, and of course, join us at Anunnaki History yeah. on Facebook and our page as well, of same name. Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, Billy, before we go... Final words from you and Matt, Anarchy history, where's it going?
2: Well, you know, um, the more I research this, the more I realize that we're coming, um, we meaning human beings, we're coming to a place in time consciously as we get ready to head into this age of Aquarius. Right now, we're, we're, we're getting ready to expand even more. I mean, there's still a lot of people sleeping, but a lot more people are beginning to wake up. It's a very slow process, but we're getting to a mass collective of awakened people on this planet. And every single moment that goes by, more and more people are snapping out of it. They may may not be at the highest level of consciousness, but they're starting to see things and starting to talk about things. And that's what gets me really excited. I just did an Egyptian mystery school uh, at Dame Dash Studios last weekend. I had 60 students there. And the whole class was very diverse. It wasn't just one race this, one race that. It was a mixed race of people. And I was excited to see that it only wasn't just one race of people. And people came from Japan, Honduras, uh, Albania, you know, all over the world to come there and learn the Egyptian histories and learn about the information. And the same thing ended with them is what I'll end today is the fact that we have the power within us, the divine energy, the divine power that created this entire universe. Is inside of our bodies and that means that the power for change the power for creation the power for understanding the power for enlightenment is inside of us all we have to do is realize recognize that spark and then uh, we need to share that spark with as many people as we possibly
3: can activate that dna within nah.
1: yeah that's that's well said billy i agree it's it's not simply just the fact that you say okay if i want to make a difference difference here i have to become a grand teacher and walk around with a, you know, a, st- a pencil like thoth and teach everybody. No, you just need to change your mindset and then change your vibration and, and, and affect others around you in a way you can. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to start talking about the Anunnaki, but maybe you could talk to them about you know, well, what about, talk about the, the galaxy and star mm-hmm. systems around us. Try, try to reach people in, in different ways that you find that you can get through. It's not always about jumping to the end to have someone understand, because if you don't follow these steps, people are going to reject that message mm-hmm. you're giving them. And so I think we need to treat this this situation where most people are probably need to start from a lower level to create what I call these foundations of understanding, where you say, okay. So we are actually not a physical being, but a non-physical being. Okay, check. There's a boundary. Yeah. Then, you, then you create another foundation where you say, okay, well, we've been lied about a lot of history and about a lot of how we perceive reality. Okay, I understand that. I've gotten beyond it. I, I got it. Okay, now I can accept and start ingesting and understanding what is the nature of reality? What happened in our past? Is there a lost chapter of human history? Mm-hmm. What occurred in our human origin story? Is it different than we were being told? All of these questions start coming up and before long, this, this way that you perceive reality starts, reality starts to fracture and you you all of a sudden start things, seeing things in a different way. And like Billy said, we're getting that collective tipping point where more and more people are at least starting to question the old paradigm that's controlled us for so long. And we're, we're at that point where that, that boiling pot is just going to blow open in, in this entire system here meaning the indoctrination system in school, people are going to start questioning that. You're going to start maybe having teachers that come out that might go on strike and not want to teach unless they can actually teach them <coughs> that are not being covered. You know, why isn't that a thing yet? Why haven't mm. there have people come out and talked about how we're not even learning about you know, energy and consciousness and mm-hmm. about these ancient secrets? You can see the difference in megalithic building as clear as day when you start to know what to look for. Can you imagine a, a class in ancient history called megalithic structure and be, like oh, Anunnaki history? Current. It and would you, be. And yeah. go in and they show you images from, you know, Machu Picchu with these sections of wall that are incredibly uh-huh. intricate and then on top of it there's this primitive mortar and building and you can say, mm-hmm. ah, now I'm looking at two different distinct time periods of human history. Can you imagine if stuff like that was taught? It would completely change how we perceive everything. Right? I think that's the direction we're going where we're going to have this enormous consciously conscious shift in our society where it's going to be an interesting time to be alive where a lot of people are going to start rejecting some of the, the past things that have been used to control them and so but for people that are interested in my work um i'm obviously very passionate about this i feel yes, that this is this is one of my purposes is getting this information out because when I was going down the road of, of learning it, it was so mind blowing to me. I used to literally sit outside. I'm not exaggerating. I would just sit there on on a bench or something and just be in total awe. Mm -hmm. Once one of those, one of those, you know, things that clicked inside me that connected everything else, there are those moments where you sit back and you're completely amazed about what you just learned and what you connected. Mm -hmm. And then you think back, well, why am I not being told this? And that's where, a lot of the work that Billy comes in with talking about the metaphysical nature of reality, these ancient writings like, like that were both left behind, and then me bringing in a lot of these ancient tablets as well, and we try to bring this back to life because I think that individuals like Billy and others that are fighting this fight, we're like the messengers of bringing in this new time because who else is going to do it? Someone in the mainstream? No, they're way too controlled. Yeah. Yeah. This this change is going to happen at a lower level than people think it is that's going to be building up. And that's why things like YouTube have become Mm. so popular because we're no longer, we're rejecting this this, this voice of expertise supposedly at the top Mm and starting to realize where this wisdom and information comes from. So what I like to think of as for people that are interested, I think that this time just to close out was looked at long ago as being this window when if things happen just right, we could have this complete breakaway of consciousness where we could reach a next stage and break out of this control here. And so, because of that, I do think there are a lot of very important souls and individuals that are here right now for a reason. Um, and that's—I don't think that's any kind of a coincidence. And I think yeah. those of you who are, are fit that role, they might not even know who they are. So I can—I encourage everyone to really look into who you are, look into what your purpose is, and don't no one ever let others. Tend to tell you who you are and what you should be doing. Go find your passions and find what you really your purpose is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to close out by saying, for those interested, please check out my website at thestageoftime.com. I have a lot of ancient writings on there and translations, um, and the uh, the latest book I got, The Stage of Time, which. Billy and I have both been reading, um, I've been reading the compendium of the en- Emerald Tablets. It's like I listened crazy.
0: online. You have a free uh, online version on YouTube, the first part. I just and have the, the chapter video. one
1: audio, yeah. but I am, for those interested, I am definitely still recording to get the entire audio done. It's just taking some time.
3: Great. Excellent. Matt, uh, what would be the next, we hear from you the next
1: big thing? um you're talking about me What well um billy and i could have something good happening in the future we'll see what happens but either way billy and i are definitely trying to work together on a um, on an even higher level here and Christ. i think that we we both have so much in common with the research areas mm-hmm. we focus on and we we cover so many of the same topics that we're, we've been working together to try to you know join forces to try to disseminate a lot of this stuff out so we can you know we can help make that change here i think everybody's part of that
3: i yes. see a good co- co- collaboration. yes and that's yeah. it the yeah.
0: fail is being lifted and people are yeah. being brought together and united and and hence the reasons for this podcast going out there to our groups that we can reach more people that it will resonate yeah. with that will Begin to understand and set those foundations to educate themselves more with guys like you and your amazing works and (laughs) books that you've written and uh, that I've been privileged to be part of in the back here, credited. Thank you, Billy, for (laughs) crediting us in there. Um, And we'll be hearing more uh, from Matt and, of course, more from Billy here at Ananarchy History. We will. Thank you for joining us, guys.
3: Thank you. you.
1: Thanks, Billy.
2: Hey everyone, this is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book. Hi, this is Billy Carson, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about my Egyptian mystery school that I teach at Dame Dash Studios in Burbank, California. The first mystery school was an absolute success. And we're looking forward to the second mystery school, December 7th and 8th, 2019. We will also be hosting a mystery school every month and a half. So you can check on ForbiddenKnowledge.com with the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Or check out my Instagram account for updates. The link tree is in my bio to go to the mystery school and you can register for classes there.